Let us then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves becomingly as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ to make no provision for the flesh, to gratify its desires. From the letter of Paul to the Romans, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. First, I must say how very good it is to be back home with all of you at Christ Church. I'm very thankful to all of you for your forbearance and giving me time for rest and healing. I am very much refreshed. I'm coming back what I think is a new man, I feel. I want to thank my brother priests, especially for their ministry to me and my family during this time and taking charge of the parish during my absence. It's meant the world to me. And I'm also very thankful for your care of my family. These words from Paul's letter to the Romans, put on the Lord Jesus Christ to make no provision for the flesh, struck me as I was preparing for this homily because I spent much of my sabbatical rereading Augustine's Confessions. If you haven't read Augustine's Confessions, you have some work to do. I mean, it would be a great thing to do during Advent, hint, hint. The story Augustine tells of himself is that overcome with grief and the stirrings in his heart, desiring very much to become a Christian, but still in the grip of sexual sin, still very much committed to this woman that he had with him at the time. He went out into the garden at a country villa outside of Milan where he was staying, and he writes this. I cast myself down, I know not how, under a certain fig tree, giving full vent to my tears. And the floods of my eyes gushed out an acceptable sacrifice to you. And not in these words, yet to this purpose I spoke. And you, O, to you, and you, O Lord, how long, how long, Lord, will you be angry forever? Remember not our former iniquities, for I felt that I was held by them. And I sent up these sorrowful words, how long, how long, tomorrow and tomorrow? Why not now? Why not is there this, at this hour an end to my uncleanness? Augustine had related previously how he had been walking with some friends through the streets of the city, and he had seen a drunken beggar by the road. And the one thought in his mind was that this beggar would gather up the coins necessary to buy some wine. He would buy the wine. He would drink to his full. He would fall asleep by the side of the road, and he would wake up with no anxiety whatsoever. But Augustine, on the other hand, was working endlessly to make all the right friends, working in the depths of ambition, working for some future glory. And he had anxiety about that, and he would wake up in the morning, no matter how much wine he drank, full of anxiety. He was striving over the long haul to make many important friends, when today he could be a friend of God. So there he was under the fig tree, weeping for his sins, weeping in anxiety and the desolation of the emptiness of ambition, and saying, why not now? Why not today? And he heard the voice of a boy. He thought maybe it was some game going on next door, calling out to him, 
tole, lege, tole, lege, meaning take up and read, take up and read. And he wiped the tears from his eyes, and he went into the house and grabbed a copy of the epistles of Paul. Bibles were not bound altogether at that point. And he read the very first paragraph he found. This one, which we read today from Romans. Let us then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves becomingly as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Augustine had to this point lived trying either to avoid or to fully embrace a life of revelry and drunkenness, a life of debauchery and licentiousness, a life of quarreling among the scholars of his day. And he says that as soon as he read this line from Romans, he said, no further would I read. I didn't need to. For instantly at the end of this sentence, by a light, as it were, of serenity infused into my heart, all the darkness of doubt vanished away. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Indeed, as soon as Augustine was baptized, and there's a wonderful little line that deals with his baptism, and he says, and we were baptized. And we set aside the anxieties of this life. As we begin this season of Advent, it is surprising, indeed jolting, to read these readings. We don't read of a manger. We don't read of Mary, meek and mild, and Joseph, her patient husband. We don't read of angelic visitations. We don't read about camels and all the rest. We don't read even about Bethlehem. What do we read about? The coming judgment of Israel walking in the light of the Lord, of casting off the works of darkness, and of a coming and terrifying apocalypse. In the medieval church, it was on this Sunday that the gospel story, not of Matthew's apocalypse, but of the Lord's triumphal entry in Jerusalem, into Jerusalem was read. It was very much like Palm Sunday beginning the year. It was a way of beginning the Christian year just like Holy Week, both of which, both the Christian year and Holy Week, are something of the Christian life in microcosm. Thomas Aquinas wrote that one of the themes of Advent, in addition to the first two, the coming of Christ in the flesh and the coming judgment in the future, is the coming of Christ, what he called, in mente, meaning the coming of Christ into our minds, into our souls, here and now by grace. And so we began this liturgy this morning by praying, Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. When? Now. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your son Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility. That at the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal. Listen to those words again. Give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light now. Today. In the time of this mortal life, this mortal life, my mortal life. In which your son Jesus Christ came to visit not those people many thousands of years ago, 
but us in great humility. There is a coming of which we speak in Advent, not of Jesus coming to those in history or coming to those in the future, but coming to you and to me. Augustine's conversion is a great example of what this looks like. Perhaps the greatest example outside of Paul getting knocked off his horse on the way to Damascus. Augustine's conversion did not come by his own striving, which was immense. I mean, the first seven chapters of the, of the Confessions are all about how hard he worked, how hard he strove, or by his own intellect, which was immense. He almost, without even being catechized as a Christian, figured it all out. It's amazing to read. His conversion doesn't come by that, though. It comes by the grace of God. Most especially as he lay under that fig tree, stricken with grief, stricken with anxiety, overcome by deep feelings of longing, but still held by the heavy chains of sin, especially the chains of sexual lust, the licentiousness and debauchery that he had filled his life with. From this moment and from his reading of Romans, he was determined to be baptized. He was determined to not only put on the Lord Jesus Christ in the waters of baptism, but to put on the faith of the Catholic Church. For Augustine, this meant leaving behind a life of striving and anxiety, leaving behind the life of the Manichees, leaving behind even the scholarly life of selling words, as he says and to live a life conformed to the ideal of scholarly leisure. I know we have a number of scholars around here today, but doesn't a life of scholarly leisure sound appealing? I mean, no one does that today, but in the old days, that was, that was the ideal. A life of asceticism and study, a life marked by prayer and worship. It would mean leaving behind a life of sexual lust for a life of chastity. Indeed, for Augustine, it meant celibacy. He would no longer be seeking to be married. The point is the same for Augustine as it is for us. For everyone whom the Lord calls, there is a point which we can call the fullness of time. When it is not about redemption tomorrow or redemption a year from now or change of life three years from now or ten years from now saying, Lord, make me chaste, but what? Not yet. (laughs) But where today fits the bill. Where the Lord is saying, today, 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 you can be a friend of God. When the Lord Jesus comes into our minds, calling to us heart to heart, and giving us his grace to cast off the works of darkness and to put on the armor of divine light, which he himself has revealed. If the church needs a wake-up call today, it's this, that Jesus not only came and he's not only coming, but he came to you and he can come to you today. Maybe you remember a time in your life when Christ himself came and visited you calling you out of darkness and into his perfect light. Maybe you desire to be renewed in that conversion. Advent is a wonderful time for that. I know that I can speak to you encouragingly about the joy of renewing your conversion, especially through the sacrament of confession. 
If you're struggling against the darkness of sin, maybe trying to white-knuckle your way through life, and you're filled with anxiety and struggle, and it all seems like, when is all of this going to end? It can end today. Um, The only thing that would keep me from going to have lunch with my family is if you came to me and said, I need to make my confession, I would say, that can wait. Mm -hmm. Now we can, I can hear your confession now. All of us, we, we all say that, yes? Okay, we're agreed, we'll do that. Listen, you will not find judgment in your priests. We know what it is to be sinners. We know what it is to be weak. And the heart of a priest is one formed by the Lord for mercy, not judgment, ordained to dispense abundant and rich grace from the treasuries of heaven. Maybe you're sitting in this church this morning and thinking, I don't know that I can truly and honestly say that Christ has come into my mind. I've maybe thought about God a bit. Maybe I've thought about what the church teaches. Maybe I've thought a little bit about theology. Maybe I've thought about things like the problem of evil or the problem of pain or whatever it may be. And I still find it all so deeply unsatisfying. And my anxieties are still there. And I'm still very much chained, enchained and enslaved by the darkness of sin. Well, I'd love to sit down with you today even and talk to you about that. How it may be that the Lord, even now, even today, is calling to you, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you today, this first day of Advent. Maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe you've been crying out to God in groans and eager longing. Why not today? You'll seek out all manner of goods in this world, but they will not come today. The only thing you can be assured of receiving today is that of being a friend of God, and it can happen today. At the beginning of this Advent season, the call is clear. It is a call to spiritual awakening or spiritual reawakening and to the cleansing of the soul by the visitation of Jesus to you personally. This is a call that can only be initiated by the coming of Jesus to each individual person, where he comes in love and patience, but with cleansing in his hands. Beloved, I know personally and I know well how wearying this life can be, how painful it is to fight against the works of darkness and sin and to be given over to perpetual loss, perpetual defeat. I know the deep sorrow of feeling that God in Jesus Christ has drawn near to others and has not drawn near to me. In the most basic sense, what needs to be said on this day is this, that attachment to sin that drives us away from Jesus will also drive us away from a lively faith. But if you desire to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and to cast aside the works of darkness and to do it today, that is enough. A desire to be met by the Lord powerfully is enough. Over the sabbatical, I had the opportunity to uh, go up and pray in a chapel at St. Stephen's house where the great German pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer prayed on the night before he would return to Germany and ultimately die in a Nazi concentration camp. Imprisoned. He once wrote that a prison cell in which one waits, hopes, and is completely dependent on the fact that the door of freedom has to be opened from the outside is not a bad picture of Advent. Let me say that again. A prison cell in which one waits, 
hopes and is completely dependent on the fact that the door of freedom has to be opened from the outside is not a bad picture of Advent. Jesus stands at the door ready to open it, ready to come in and give you life and give it to you abundantly. We Christians are a dependent people, dependent upon the grace of God, not merely to cover up the darkness of sin that is in us. That is not grace at the end of the day, but to bring us to perfection by supernatural power. The message which we will ponder and proclaim in these coming days is not one of human beings striving to become holy and succeeding. That's no story anyone can tell, actually. It's about God in his mercy when all of our strivings and all of our anxieties and all of our concern about this life were utter and complete disasters and failures coming to be with us in that state, not just 2,000 years ago and not only in the future, but now, today, the light of the world who comes to be with you and to be with me to cast out the works of darkness and make us fit for life with him. Lord Jesus, come be with me today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.